47. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. So Psalm 94 starts off like this. Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine, rise up, judge of the earth, repay the proud what they deserve. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked celebrate? They pour out arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. Lord, they crush your people, they oppress your heritage. Psalm 94 um, is what I just read. And remember that the Psalms express every emotion and disposition known to mankind, right? They direct our wills, they arouse our emotions, they stimulate our imaginations, and they are indeed a mirror of the soul. And what the psalmist is getting at here is that he is calling on God, the judge of the entire earth, to bring his judgment on those that that are oppressing the vulnerable of their society, the orphans, the widows and the foreigners. And we know that God in the Old Testament shows his heart for those on the margins. And what the testimony of the psalm is trying to point out is this. If we know God has a heart for the oppressed, it is evident that we have a heart for God when we do as well, right? Our heart for God is expressed in our heart for the oppressed, right? So he comes out and says this, and he makes it so plain that we can't miss it, right? And he, yeah, proclaims that God is not pleased. So he says this, can a corrupt throne be your ally? A throne that makes evil laws. It reminds me of a quote that originated with the early church father, St. Augustine, referred to by St. Thomas Aquinas and often attributed to Martin Luther King, And it says this, an unjust law is no law at all. In other words, um, anything legislated that smashes the backs of the innocent and the vulnerable of a society is utterly repulsive and a spit in the face to the majestic throne of grace. Right. And therefore, by very virtue of this, it shouldn't be deemed a law in the first place. I wasn't trying to rhyme. But if you are a Christian, listen. In these matters, we stand on the shoulders of giants and getting our hands dirty and our knees calloused. We fight for the oppressed physically and spiritually, right? And one of the ways, a very simple way to do that is to remember them in our quiet time, right? To pray on behalf of those who are marginalized, to remember the just character of God and the promise of him making things right at the end of time. Psalm 95 um, we get this psalm, it's split in half of wor- worship and warning, right? So it begins speaking of the worship of God and his king. Um, and literally it says that Yahweh is this great king, but it ends, I want to focus on the ending. It ends giving his people a warning. And it says this, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, literally, (laughs) though they had seen what I did for 40 years. I was disgusted with that generation. I said they are a people whose hearts go astray. They don't know my ways. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. There's so much going on here. And uh, yeah, but anyway, Exodus 17 is what the psalmist is referring to. And shortly after the people of God had left Egypt, when they had front row seats to witness something God did that was unparalleled in the history of time up until that point, they tried Yah, they tried Yahweh in the wilderness, right? They didn't listen to him and they rebelled, right? 
and listen before you pick put your nose up at them we are them right in a, in a sense we stand between egypt and canaan right that's the already and the not yet. We've already been saved, but we're not already to the promised land. The kingdom of God has not come in its fullness. The, the God man hasn't come back. And we'll talk about this more in the New Testament. But what we need to know is this. Listen, there's an invisible yet spiritual and actual line that is connected between our ears and our hearts. Right. And God's economy, hearing problems are usually heart problems. Right. Listening to God is what the psalmist is getting at. That's why he says today it's an urgency to this. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Right. Listening to God is our secret and simple weapon for being all he has called us to be. And not listening to God is our most catastrophic downfall in all of the Christian life. Today, we have to tune our ears and our hearts to the voice of God in scripture, to God's voice in prayer, and to God's voice in his son, Jesus, in the gospel. Psalm 96 comes, and it starts off, and it says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. So we basically have this praise that once again highlights the kingship of God, right? And God is the king of the universe. And what I love is the descriptors he uses for me, right? He says, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength or beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So the person of God is being lifted up here and his character and his attributes and his divine qualities are named splendor, majesty, beauty, glory, strength, right? And I'm here to tell you today, listen, religious folks, praise God for what God does, but Christians praise God simply for who he is, right? And he goes on, he says, yo, declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all people. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The word, the world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. What the psalmist is saying is that there is no sphere of the world that has not been created to praise and glorify God, right? From as far as the east is from the west, as far as the heavens and the earth extend, God is to be praised and exalted as that which everything into the universe submits, right? And this text is also a polemic, right, against the gods of the ancient Near East that didn't have this type of power, right? Or this reason to be praised. And the same is true today. So if you are lifting, listen, if you are lifting something to the forefront of your mind, your heart, in worship, other than Yahweh, it's like chasing after the wind, right? It's like, it's like a pursuit of the wind. It's pointless, aimless, and a waste of eternity. Psalm 97 comes and it basically overlaps, right? It overlaps a ton with the previous one. And it says, yeah, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coasts and islands be glad. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, all the peoples see his glory. Brothers and sisters, our reason, our reason for existing is God's glory, right? That's our life, right? That's the reason we have breath in our lungs and blood in our veins, right? The reason that something exists, listen, the reason that something exists rather than nothing 
is because God wants to be glorified, right? And our jobs on earth through whatever instruments and means and platforms and influence we have is to spread the knowledge of God's glory to the end of the earth, right? Listen, everything God has created is pointing in the same direction, right? We all point in the same direction, or at least we're meant to, right? And this last verse tells us how we can do that. It says this, be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. When reflecting upon God and who he is in his being, our hearts are slow dance into a song of gratitude. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that um, we exist for your glory. Show us your glory. Show us what it means to live for your glory. Show us what it means to listen to you, to have soft hearts and open